Good morning. Uh, Welcome to worship on this beautiful, if a little overcast, Sunday morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Kelsey Parker, and King of Kings is our family of faith. Whether this is your first time worshiping with us or you've always been here, welcome. We're celebrating Holy Communion this morning, so hopefully you got one of those communion kits on your way in. And for those of you worshiping with us from home, take a moment as needed to get your wine or grape juice and your bread ready so that you can commune with us from wherever you find yourself today. As we experience Holy Communion, may we know that Jesus is still bringing us together and building us up through his body and blood. A few quick announcements. This is the last Sunday of Pastor Dave's sabbatical, so he will be coming back into the office and hitting the ground running tomorrow, Monday. Uh, And he looks forward to reconnecting with everyone. And he was chomping at the bit last week, and I was like, no, just stop. Be still. So he's he, coming back just in time for football season. Yes, he is. He's really ready to go rested and rejuvenated. So thank you for all who have sent your prayers his way over his sabbatical. Next Sunday, the 18th, is our ministry fair. So following both our 9.30 and our 11 o'clock service, we will be setting up and displaying our upcoming ministries for the year so that you can sign up or be aware of what's coming your way. And today we want to keep, especially in our thoughts and prayers, our Head for the Cure team who are walking to raise funds. Um, Head for the Cure exists to ignite hope within the brain cancer community while aiming to increase vital clinical research and patient programs. And brain cancer has touched personally quite a few people in our church community, and that's where the passion has come from to participate in this walk every year. So please keep them in your thoughts and prayers today. For anyone worshiping with us for the first time, please come and see me afterward. I'd love to welcome you with a gift. Let's pray. Shepherding God, you seek out and save the lost. Wherever you meet us today, whether we feel you are with us now as strong as ever, or we feel we're wandering a path where we're lonely, lost, and unsure. We pray that through your word you would scoop us up into your arms as a mother gathers her children, that you would bless us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us and reassure us that you are with us now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear Church, Grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Son who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. Today I'm not going to waste a moment. I'm just simply going to get right into our Bible reading from the Gospel of Luke because it's a classic and beautiful scripture. From Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Parables and places in scripture like this almost take away the need for a sermon. They're clear, to the point, full of grace and hope. Oh, and did you catch that one that he mentioned full of joy over the one who is lost, who now is found? We understandably focus on issues when we hear these parables of being lost, of being found, of Pharisees and their scribes and their displeasure, of avoiding judgment, and on and on. But what we often miss is the common denominator of both of these stories is joy. Just so there will be more joy in heaven, Jesus says, and repeats it twice. When one is lost and one is found, there will be joy. And here's the thing. I get that. I've got a story to tell you. At the beginning of the summer, the boys and I joined with other pastors and congregational leaders from Southeast Michigan to march in the Motor City Pride Parade. And you'll see a picture of my boys right up there. It was my first time attending. I was equal parts nervous and excited to be part of the event. We took our place in the waiting area, meeting new friends, watching the excitement grow as the parade geared up to begin. I was understandably on high alert because anytime you go somewhere with four kids and a very large crowd, you're constantly watching, making sure that indeed all of the children that you brought with you are still with you. And as the parade started, we waited patiently for our chance to step forward to proclaim that we, Christians and followers of Jesus, celebrated and affirm and embrace the holiness of each and every person. When our time came, we surged forward, and I can tell you there was so much love and joy and celebration, it was hard not to get carried away. But as we walked, we changed from this tightly packed group that had been waiting in the waiting area to a more spread out, less organized group of parade walkers. And by the time we had walked three blocks from Fort Street to Jefferson, I knew I was in trouble because of this guy right here. Oh yes, my wild child, free spirit, outgoing future politician was having the time of his life. Hugs, high fives, free merch, bubbles. He was on cloud nine, and the happier he was, the faster he walked. And this kid can walk fast. I had to literally run to keep him in my sights, all while trying to keep my eyes behind, too, to make sure the other three were still with me. Thank goodness for the folks in my group around me who took turns pulling the wagon and watching them. Finally, we looped around to Hart Plaza where the parade ended and we stepped off the route and I was absolutely relieved. We'd made it to the end and I hadn't lost any kids. I chatted with the group. We discussed plans to go out to lunch. I soaked in the sight of everyone all together, smiled at my three boys and started to get ready to head back to the van. Wait, I smiled at my three boys? One, two, 
Oh, no. I came here with four boys. Where is Augie? I scanned the group, scanned the intersection, started to scan the block. Where is Augie? Have you seen Augie? I can't find my son. Where is my son? All of a sudden, the crowded streets, the noise, the laughter is closing in all around me. I'm frozen, panicked. I'm on a busy street in Detroit that's crowded with thousands upon thousands of people, and I can't find my son. I've put the group into action to start looking for him, but I'm frozen. He must have continued walking down the street long after we stopped, swept away in the excitement of it all. How long since we were separated? Five minutes? Ten? He could be anywhere. I want to sprint off down the street to find him, but I have three other sons here on this busy street corner. What about them? I can't leave them here alone to find Augie, but I have to. What do I do? Then all of a sudden, there he is. Two of my dear friends had dropped everything instantly. The moment I noticed he was gone, they had literally sprinted down the street, leaving us all behind to find him. And they had, still marching to his own drum, smiling, laughing, a happy parade of one. I suppose I could have been mad at him for wandering off, upset with myself for letting him down, or embarrassed that I'd been frozen in panic, while Anna and Kim had run down the street to find him. But to be honest, that wasn't the emotion that I felt. I was relieved and full of joy, shaking with joy, crying with joy. My son, who had been lost, was found safe and sound back with me. That was pure joy. And that's the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And that's how God feels any time one person is drawn back into relationship with God or chooses life or lives into his or her or their potential or helps out another and in all of those ways is found. Joy. No judgment. Just joy. The Pharisees and the scribes don't get that. They don't realize that God is primarily about love rather than rules. Today's reading began with them sitting in their privileged circle and grumbling that Jesus would dare to eat with those that they had labeled sinners. They can't fathom a God who is filled with joy when even one missing child comes home. I mean, those stories, they aren't really the story of the lost sheep or the lost coin. They're the stories of the shepherd who risks everything to go and look. They're the story of a woman who sweeps all night to find one coin. These stories are about a God who will always go looking for lost children, even more fervently than everyone went looking for Augie. When you think about how ordinary the two key actors in our parable are, a shepherd who stands at the very bottom of Jesus' time, their socioeconomic ladder in first century Palestine, and a woman who likely had only ten coins to her name, you realize that they aren't just metaphors. 
but reminders that God chooses to work through ordinary people to do extraordinary work to find, to seek out, to save the lost. Today, I'm thinking about some of those people that did things like that on September 11th, 2001. I'm thinking specifically of the story of Wells Crowther. If you've not heard of Wells, just search for 9-11 Red Bandana Man. He went to work like every other day on September 11th, 2001, to his job as an equities trader in the World Trade Center. After the second tower was hit, the one he was in, Wells led everyone he could find down the steps to safety, and then he went back for more. And after leading more people to safety, he went back again and again and again until the tower collapsed. On that day, this talented, athletic, good-natured, but in so many ways ordinary person did an extraordinary thing giving his life to make sure others could live. On that day, God used wells to find people who were lost. Now, I know we don't often find ourselves in those kinds of circumstances, but God can and does use you and me to find others. Not only can God use us, but God does and will at work, at home, at school, in our congregation, in our places of volunteering. God regularly uses us to find others. Which is why I think it's important that we notice that Jesus began both these parables with a question. Jesus says, which of you? would leave the 99 and go seek the one who was lost? Which of you would sweep all night for a coin's worth? Which of you would throw logic to the wind and go running down the street in downtown Detroit to find a little boy who was lost? And that's the question we're left to ponder, or maybe better said, the question we're left to live out. Which of you will dare to live in the world with this kind of extravagant and reckless love for others? Which of you, having been found and claimed as God's child forever, will allow your understanding of God's love to be stretched beyond its limit? Which of you will risk your social standing in school to sit with the kid who's shunned and ignored? Which of you will take an opportunity this week to talk to someone who's fundamentally different from you? Which of you will let go of your own comfort in order to provide and care for a stranger? Which of you will walk down a busy street full of smiles, love, acceptance, giving out hugs, handing out all of the merch you collected because you love making someone else? feel seen? Which of you will lose yourself in the beauty and breadth and depth of Christ's love and find that you've stopped counting, stopped measuring, stopped worrying about who's in, who's out, and how much it'll cost because you're in so much awe of the goodness 
around you? Which of you? Each and every one of you. With a hug, a handshake, a blessing, a gift, a meal, a prayer, a conversation, an email, a text, or a phone call, each of you will. Each of you can. Not because God requires it or Jesus loves you more when you do it, but because you too have been found right when you needed it most. You've been claimed and you've been searched for and you've been sought out and you've been rejoiced over and you are one who is most treasured by God. May that status as one who is found be just what you need to embrace the call to be one who finds. May you know deeply that there is nowhere you can wander that Christ will not follow. May this be what guides you boldly into the world to find the one who needs you this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks that you find us here today, that you continue to find us, to seek us out, to bring us back in, to love us, forgive us, accept us. We pray that we might be so sure that this is true, that we can't stop seeking out others who need to hear it and believe it too. Bless all of that good work in your name this week. Amen. Together we will join our hearts and our voices in prayer. If you would like to stand or sit as you, you pray, I invite you to choose whatever is most comfortable for you and is most prayerful in this moment. I'll share several petitions as we pray. Each one will leave silence for you to name in your heart or aloud the people and situations that you need to lift up before God this morning. After that time of silence, I'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and you can respond with, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, on this day, we give you thanks that we're here together. We pray for all of our loved ones near and far. We pray for those from our church who are walking in the Head for the Cure fundraiser today that they might have their spirits lifted, their hope renewed, that they might, standing together as a community of support, give hope to all who are currently battling brain cancer and cancer of any kind, knowing that we are not alone in our struggle, but that you and our community walks with us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of hope and resurrection, we lift before you the events and anniversary of this day, September 11th, knowing how deeply it touches our lives and the lives of those close to us. We pray for all families who mourn today, who remember today. We lift before you any who feel the weight of this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for this world and this creation that you've made, for rivers, deserts, mountains, rocks, trees, ice, water. We pray that we might steward it well. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who are overlooked or oppressed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are sick, grieving, or in need of healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and for specific things that are happening in our personal lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in you and your promises, O God, we lift these and all of our prayers to you in confidence and faith, even as we now pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now I invite you, as we share our time of communion together, to pull out your communion kit. And if you would like to stand or sit, either choice is good. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. The blood of Christ shed for you. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Our final reminder is just a big thank you to everyone who continues to give of themselves and their resources for our ministry at King of Kings. We don't pass the offering yet, but we have a place for you to leave it on your way out or a, a button to click on our website, koklc.org. Every bit that you share with us, we steward and use to keep our church as a place of hope, of sharing God's word, and a place of help in our community. Please stand and receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.